there's something that we can learn from there. So, you know, last week we talked about being free from the law. We talked about how Paul, he used the illustration of the Jews that were married to the law. They were trying to establish their own righteousness by how they kept the law. But you know what? They found out when Jesus Christ died on the cross, that gave them the ability to marry another. Jesus Christ fulfilled the law in His flesh and He died. And just like a woman, if her husband dies, she's free to marry another and not be called an adulteress. We see here that it was the same thing for them. They were free to marry another. The marriage between the Jews and the law did not work, not because of the law. The law was perfect. We've been reading that, memorizing that passage. The law of the Lord is perfect. There was nothing wrong with the Old Testament, but there was something wrong with man, and that was sin. The Jews, even though they were God's people, they were still men. They came, they descended from Adam. They were sinful. And so as a result of that, we see, we ended up learning that no one could be saved by keeping the law. Nobody is going to go to heaven because of how good they are. Nobody's good enough. There is none righteous. No, not one. The Bible makes that very clear. And we see that we all have a sin problem. We all need salvation. We all need cleansing from our sins. And that only comes through Jesus Christ. So those who are saved today, those of us who say we're going to heaven and we know we're going to heaven, we're not saying we're going to heaven because of a law that we kept. We're not saying we're going to heaven because of a law that maybe we didn't break. You know, I'm not a murderer. So that means, no, that's not what it is. We're saved because we believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're trusting in His work. Therefore, the Bible says we are dead to the law or we're free from the law. And that is a wonderful thing. But having said all that, the question comes up, okay, so what about what am I supposed to do today? What are my obligations for today? What does God expect from me today? You know, Do we need to worry about the commandments in the Bible? We've got a lot of people today that because of this Romans chapter 7 being free from the law, well, you know, we don't need to teach about this stuff in the Old Testament. We don't need to talk about these laws of morality and things that really aren't very convenient for the country that we live in, for the world that we're living in. You know, there are a lot of questions, you know, is morality even important? You know, do we need to be preaching about Old Testament laws or even some of Jesus' teachings which people would say were technically Old Testament because like Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, all the things He taught, He taught those things before He died on the cross. And some say He was teaching those things not because He expected us to do them, but because He was trying to show man that they were sinful. And so therefore, you know, don't worry about a lot, you know, a lot of these things, you know, preachers that preach against sin and are always using Old Testament Scriptures or even the writings of Jesus... Do we even need to follow that? Do we even need to pay any attention to that? How does it apply today? And I'm just going to say right now from the get-go before anybody gets scared, I'm not going to quit preaching the Old Testament. And I'm not going to quit preaching uh, the writings of Jesus Christ. We're definitely going to keep preaching those things. But how do we do that? And Going along with what we looked at last week in Romans chapter 7, we're going to find out it fits, it fits perfectly. And we, I mentioned last week at the end of the message... What God expects from us today is not to fulfill the law. In other words, we're not walking in the flesh and trying to you know, follow a list of do's and don'ts that are written in the Scripture. What we have been commanded to do is to walk in the Spirit. When we got saved, 
We were resurrected, spiritually speaking. God revived our spirit. We became alive spiritually in Him. And now we can have victory over sin. And now we've been commanded to walk in the Spirit. Look what it says in Romans chapter 8. It says, "...there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus had made me free from the law of sin and of death." You all see that? We're, once again, we're free from that law. We're free from sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh... God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. With that saying right there, the law, when it calls it weak, it's not saying the law itself was weak. The law was perfect, but it was weak through the flesh. Okay, We are just completely incapable of keeping every bit of that law. But somebody did come along who did keep that law, and that was Jesus Christ. He did it. He did it and He came in the likeness of sinful flesh and He condemned sin in the flesh. When Jesus Christ died on the cross for sin, do you know what He was saying? He was saying every single word of that Old Testament was true. Every one of those things were bad. They were all sin and I'm paying for that sin. Jesus Christ was recognizing the fact that man had sinned and man deserved to die for that sin. And He did that when... He died when He gave Himself. He literally gave Himself. He is admitting and He's saying sin is wrong. But He's saying, I'm paying for it. And He did. He paid with His own life. In verse 4, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is is life and peace. Okay, now remember, a lot of times we know the terminology we're supposed to use, but we don't always know what it means. I've been saying we're supposed to walk in the Spirit now. Okay? Alright, so we all know to walk in the Spirit. But what does that mean? And right here it says to be carnally minded is death. So in other words, if you think the way I'm going to get to heaven is I'm going to obey this law and this law and this law, and if I can keep all these laws, I'll be good enough to go to heaven. You know what the Bible says? That's death. You will fail. Nobody is good enough to go to heaven on their own. Nobody can keep the law. This law will condemn you every time. You might think you're great, but you know what? If you study the Bible just a little bit, you'll be able to find something where you've sinned. You'll be able to find an area where you've fallen short. And so, we're not walking after the flesh or being carnally minded. That's death. Okay, Those who are trying to get to heaven by keeping the law... They're going to die in their sin and they're going to go to hell. But it says to be spiritually minded is life and peace. I'm not thinking about keeping the law to get to heaven. I'm trusting in Jesus Christ. I'm spiritually minded. You know what? I have peace. I don't have to worry about Him failing. I do have to worry about me failing. I could fall into sin. I could end up you know, going to prison or whatever. Any of those things could happen to me because I'm made out of flesh. But you know what? Whatever happens, I can have peace in knowing that my soul is secure because my trust is not in my flesh. It's in, it's in Jesus Christ. And so there's life. There's peace in that. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Well, I wish I could find a way 
to make everybody obey all the laws of God. But you know what? You can't do it. I mean, we have a perfect law. We've got our, in our country, they're always trying to find a way to make new laws to make things better. And you know, and that's fine. I'm all for them trying. But the thing is, it's not working, is it? In fact, things seem like they're getting worse all the time. We've got so many laws today, but yet things are getting worse and worse. You know why? Because laws can't fix people. You know, just passing a law does not wash away evil. There will still be evil people out there that will do evil things no matter what law we make. The law can't, it, you know, the, the flesh, it's not, it can't be subject not even to the laws of God, let alone man's laws. And so it cannot be done. And Jesus Christ, He didn't look and say, you know what, they're hopeless. He said, you know what, I'll just go and I'll pay for their sins. I'll die for them. And so we see in verse 9, but. Um, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so, be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. One of these days, okay? One of these days... I'm going to be like Christ. It doth not yet appear what I shall be. Right now, you all see flesh that's made out of the same flesh that you are. Stick around me long enough, you can find some faults in me too. But listen, it doth not yet appear what I shall be. What you all are seeing here is not the finished product. Okay, I've got the first fruits. I've got the first part. I've got the Holy Spirit that dwells in me. But one of these days, He's going to quicken my mortal body and He's going to make it an immortal body. And that's another lesson for another day. But verse 12, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. Okay? I don't owe this flesh anything. I don't, I can't, for me to go around trying to make up for my past sin. Okay? It's not going to do me any good spiritually. Okay? Jesus Christ already paid my debt. If I, okay, if I do something bad to somebody else around here, nothing wrong with me trying to make up for it. But the sin that I've done against God, I can't make up for it. And the truth is, Jesus Christ already did make up for it. He paid, he paid for my sin. So I'm not a debtor to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Okay, And I, I wish we had time to go verse by verse through all of Romans chapter 8. We don't. But what does this mean to walk in the Spirit? I want to make sure we all see this and we get this covered. What does that mean? What that means is we do not obey the letter of the law, but the Spirit of the law. Look what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, if you want to turn over there. I think 2 Corinthians chapter 3 makes it very clear. It says, Do we again begin to commend ourselves, or need we as some other epistles of commendation to you, or letters of commendation from you? Ye are our epistle, written in our hearts, known and read of all men. For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. And such trust have we through Christ to Godward. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God, 
who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. What does that mean right there when it's talking about the letter? It's talking about the letter of the law. Okay? In other words, if you are trying to get to heaven by your works, anybody can find something in the Scripture that you violated. You have messed up the letter of this law. Have you ever, maybe you've gotten in trouble before. Maybe you've gotten involved in a deal and it turns out, you know, some, maybe, maybe you're, maybe it's a credit card or something. You're late on a payment and they charge you, you know, six billion dollars in interest, you know, like they do. And you're like, what happened here? You know, I, I wasn't expecting this. I didn't know this was going to happen. And, you know, like read the fine print. And, you know, and you go and it turns out, yeah, sure enough, it was in there. If I do this, I'm in trouble. You know, the credit card company is going to own me for life. Okay? You know, you see, you'll see that written in there somewhere. And that's just kind of how it is with the Old Testament. You're going to, there's going to be something in there that's going to condemn you for sin. The letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. And then it says in verse 7, But if the ministration of death, written and engraven in stones, was glorious, talking about the Ten Commandments, so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away, how shall the ministration of the Spirit be rather glorious? That law that God gave to Moses, while it was a glorious thing, it didn't get the job done. And the Lord, and right here, Paul's saying, hey, there's something that's so much better than that Old Testament. There's so much something better than that Old Testament law, and it is the Spirit of God. It's the Spirit that gives life. So how is how do we walk in the Spirit? We're not obeying the letter of the law, but the Spirit of the law. Okay, and so the best way I could think of to illustrate this is it would not be a good marriage if okay, let's say when you guys got married, and, and we do, you know, you do, you sign the marriage license, uh, you know, you do the vows and all that stuff. But you know, what if it would be a bad marriage? If before the marriage, the couples got together and they wrote down this big long list of do's and don'ts. And in that big long list of do's and don'ts, you know, maybe the husband says, you know, if dinner's never ready when I get home on time, or, you know, if you, uh, you know, put on too much weight, or if you, you know, whatever, you know, whatever, if you do those things, this marriage is over. And so, and, you know, and the wife does the same thing. Well, you know, if you ever lose your manners, that you had while we were dating. You know, if you ever, you know, if you ever go bald, you know, if you, you know, if you ever put on weight, you know, if you ever, you know, whatever, then this marriage is over. Okay? You know, whatever it is, women get upset. I don't know why women ever get upset with their husbands, but, you know, they, they do. And so, if you break any of these laws, this marriage is over. And so, you know, that husband and wife, you know, they're living and they're trying to keep it together. But that wife's like, man, I. I have to have make sure I get dinner ready. Otherwise, this marriage is over. You know, I've got to make sure I look right, or otherwise, this marriage is over. You know, I, I can't ever have a bad day. I can't ever get mad. I can't ever get in one of those moods. You know, or, or anything like that. Or you know, I'm going to violate the contract of our marriage, and this marriage is over. That's bad, isn't it? Husbands, you know, maybe if, if you ever forget her birthday, maybe she had that in there. If you ever forget my birthday, if you ever forget our anniversary, if you uh, you know, whatever, it's over. And according to the letter of the law, according to our contract, let me tell you, that marriage would stink. But what is it that we want? 
We want a husband and wife that wants to be with us. We want a husband and wife that wants to stay with us. We want a husband and wife... You know, I want my wife to want to please me. Okay, and, and ladies, all right, when it's your birthday, okay, sometimes you all pull the whole, oh, you don't have to get me anything. All right, and that, that's never true. All right, but listen, you know, what would be, what would be better if you made a list, all right, here's a list of presents I want for my birthday. The husband, he goes and he buys all the presents. Or would you rather him just think of something on his own and go and get those things? Because he knows you. Because he knows what you like. And, you know, I've done that before where it's like my wife, you know, you, know, you need to surprise me with something when you get home today. Okay, What? Just surprise me with something. I would rather you tell me what to get. What is it you're wanting right now? Okay, you know, that's what the husband wants to do. What is it you are wanting right now? What is it that you need? Tell me specifically. I don't want to say, you know. You're, you know, you're just supposed to know what I want. You're supposed to know me well enough. Right, am I the only one that gets these speeches? All right, don't look at me like that. You know, you're 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 supposed to know me well enough that you're able to figure me out and know what would make me happy. Boy, aren't those scary? You know, when you get when you get that, you're just like, oh, all right, you know, and you're you're, you're racking your brain. You know, same thing for a or for it's a birthday or anniversary. Valentine's Day's coming up. All right, start thinking now, guys. Start paying attention to the hints right now. Okay, they want you to want to please them. Okay. And if a guy goes and if a wife writes down a list of presents and a guy goes and buys every one of those specific things, it probably wouldn't be make a woman as happy as if a guy just went out on his own out of the goodness of his heart and went and got something that wasn't even that impressive. Just the fact that he tried. The fact that, you know, he was trying and, yeah, maybe he failed. But, boy, you can see his heart was in on it. And that he did it out of love, and it means a lot, right? That you know, that's why we appreciate the drawings and things from our kids that maybe aren't very good, because you know the thought that went into it. You know that it was done out of love. And let me tell you something: when it comes to pleasing God, there we have we are incapable of pleasing God in our flesh. We are incapable of being good enough. But you know what? God wants us to want to please Him. God wants us to want to make Him happy. He wants us to just do our best. That's what God wants. God wants us to love Him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. God, and when we do that, that's what pleases God. Not how many of our things we can check off. So, you know, it'd be pretty sad if every night when you, when you, before you went to bed, the husband and wife, all right, is this marriage going to continue? Let's go over the checklist. Which ones of the things did you accomplish today? Did you do every one of those things? I mean, it, that would be a terrible marriage. Okay, but you do want, you know, hopefully, you're just in a relationship where the two of you want to make each other happy. No, you know, we're going to get things wrong. We're going to mess up. But you know what? It doesn't, it doesn't end the marriage. My wife's made plenty of mistakes and we're still married. <laughs> I made a mistake now. We'll, we'll, we'll still stay married. And you know, neither of us should take advantage of that. Okay, We're, we're committed. We, you know, our mindset is divorce isn't an option. And you know, we're going to figure it out even though 
We could both bring up offenses. We could both bring up things that we've done wrong or the other one's done wrong, and we might even be able to figure out which one's worse than the other one. And let me tell you, when it comes to us and God, we're always the bad ones. It's never God. He never does anything wrong. But what does He want? He doesn't want us to fill out the checklist. He wants us to love Him. He wants us to do our best. He wants us to walk in the. He wants us to walk in the Spirit. And so, a good marriage it doesn't have a list of rules, but it does have disappointments. It does have disagreements. It's gonna have. It's gonna have some fights. But those things never end the marriage. Why? Because when it all comes down to it, at the end of the day, while we both have our failures, at the end of the day, we still love each other, don't we? At the end of the day, we're still husband and wife. And so we're gonna we're gonna work through things. When we've got problems, we we gotta figure out how to work through this. We gotta figure out how it's gonna get done. We gotta figure out how she's gotta change. You know, we gotta figure out. You know, uh, we gotta I gotta get her another book. You know, I mean, whatever whatever it is. And listen, we seek. We should be seeking to do what God wants, not just what God says. Okay, what God wants, not just what God says. Jesus taught that there were some things that God allowed, but He didn't approve of. For example, in Matthew chapter, we don't have time to go to all these scriptures, but in Matthew chapter five, verse twenty-seven and twenty-eight, um, uh, it says, "Ye have heard that it has been said of them of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart." We see here that Jesus, He's bringing up something that the Old Testament never brought up before. The Old Testament did say, Thou shalt not commit adultery, but it never said anything about necessarily looking after a woman to lust after her. What's Jesus saying right here? You know, He's saying, listen, you can, you know, maybe check off that one that says, Thou shalt not commit adultery. I've never done that. But you know what? God's holy. He doesn't even want you looking at a woman to lust after her. And the truth is, We've all, we've all failed. And so when we find out, okay, this is what God wants, what God expects, you know, it's not, it's, we find out, hey, I'm trying to walk in the Spirit. It's not enough that I can just say, do not commit adultery. You know what God was saying there, what Jesus is saying right here? He wants you to not even sin in your heart. Okay, for example, kids sometimes. You can get a child to do what you tell them to do. Okay, you can get a child to go clean their room when you tell them to. But you know what? If they're stomping around and they're pouting and they're you know moaning and crying and whining while they're doing it, does that bring you any satisfaction as a parent? Absolutely not. You know, it's disappointing. You want them to want to obey you. And God wants us to obey Him. We should always obey Him, but He wants us to want to obey Him. And you just saying, uh, I did what I was told. God wants more than that. Okay? God wants us to want to do it. Alright? Yeah, I bought my wife a fine. I bought her a birthday present. Because I have I have to do that. That's part of being a husband. You gotta buy your wife a birthday present. I gotta be able to check that off the list. Do you think she's gonna appreciate that present if that's what I do? I go and I slam it down in front of her. Here you go. I fulfilled my duty. I guess we get to stay married for another year. No. She's not gonna enjoy that at all. And you know what? God doesn't he does he's not pleased by that. If we're obeying the law, but we're doing it with a bad spirit, He wants us to do it in the spirit, too, and that's why He said that there in Matthew chapter five. We also see in Matthew chapter nineteen, in verse three to eight, He talked about divorce. You know, they were trying. You know, is it okay for a man to put away his wife for any cause? And the truth is, 
There was a bill of divorcement that was there in the Old Testament, but Jesus said, in the beginning, God made Adam and Eve. He made them male and female. He said, and it said in the Old Testament, for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and they two shall be one flesh. But just by that, even though it didn't say, don't divorce, Jesus was saying, you should have known from what it said in Genesis that God didn't like that. That God didn't approve of that. So, just because something isn't necessarily spelled out in the Bible, and there are some things that are not spelled out in the Bible, but when we study other things in the Bible, we can actually find out what it is that God wants, what it is that pleases God. For example, you know, uh, in the Old Testament, Paul used, in 1 Timothy chapter 5, we're not going to turn there, Paul went and he used an Old Testament Scripture to teach the church that they were supposed to take care of the pastor, to take care of his needs. He used an Old Testament Scripture about an ox. Now, how does that work? Well, here's the Bible taught in the Old Testament not to muzzle the ox that treadeth the corn. In other words, if you're, you're using an ox working in your field and he sees some corn and he tries to eat some of it, you don't put a muzzle on him so he can't eat it. You let that ox eat while he's doing your, he's doing your work. He's helping you out. Yeah, he's just an animal. But you know what? You're going to take care of that animal. You're going to feed that animal. You are going to let him eat of your substance. And Paul said, if God feels that way about an ox, well, how much more you know, His servant? And so Paul says, we can go back in the Old Testament and see what it is that God likes, how God thinks, what God wants. And even though there's not a specific command about taking care of a pastor in the Old Testament, Paul said, we know what God wants because we know about God from the Old Testament. And that's why we use the Old Testament. God has not changed His mind about sin. God hasn't changed His mind about morality. We know what God thinks about those things. The only thing that's changed or that's different today are ceremonial things that Jesus Christ, He didn't do away with them. Jesus finished them. Jesus finished the sacrifices. He was the final one. That's done. It's not that they were done away with. It's they were finished. They were completed. You know, the feast, the Sabbath day, the things that the Bible very specifically mentions, Jesus finished those things. But at the same time, all that morality stuff in the Old Testament, it all still applies today. Every bit of it. And we, and, but what if I violate it? Well, you're still God's child. You're still saved. But it, that, those things still displease God. Some of those things that God mentioned that are abominations, they're still abominations to God. Do we want to do those things? My wife, she's committed not to divorce me, but does that mean I've got the right to cheat on her? Because she said that? That would be a horrible thing to do. To take advantage of that. To take advantage of her commitment. And God has promised He's never going to leave us nor forsake us. God has promised He's sealed us with the Holy Spirit under the day of redemption. And so we've been told, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Just like it would, I, could, I could grieve my wife that's committed to stay with me, and, I, and she could grieve me who's committed to stay with her. The Holy Spirit, he, He's grieved when we sin. He's grieved when we do wrong. We don't lose our salvation, but we grieve the Holy Spirit. God feels the exact same way about sin today. So that Spirit-filled Christian is always going to be obedient to the laws of God. 
See, the people today teaching us free from the law. Yes, no more Old Testament. I don't like reading that stuff. It's convicting. It reminds me of too many of my problems. But listen, I want to read the Old Testament because I want to know God. I want to know Him better. I want to know what pleases Him. I want to know what makes Him happy because I, I can't in my flesh be good enough to impress God. I cannot please Him in the flesh, but the one thing that I can do is I can show my love for Him. I can show that I do care. I can walk in the Spirit. I can do my best. And that's, that's all He's asked for. And that, that's what He wants. That's what can, that is what can make a great relationship. And the Spirit of God, these people that are a lot of times, well, it's free from the law, free from the law. Do whatever you want. Don't worry about morality. It's like they're teaching, go ahead and sin. But we mentioned this last week in Galatians, when it mentions the fruit of the Spirit, we see that against such, there is no law. We don't have time to go through Galatians chapter 5. But the Spirit of God, it will never lead you into sin. But the Bible teaches in Galatians 5, the flesh can only lead you into sin. When you're walking in the flesh, when I'm walking according to what this Tommy McMurtry wants, I will always go towards sin. I will always sin. I will always violate the commands of God. Thank God it's not going to send me to hell. The Bible says, if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous. He stands in between us and God. And He reminds God that He has paid for our sins. And so we're not cast into hell. But I do not want to take advantage of that. I thank God that Jesus Christ is there. Not only did He save me, but He keeps me saved. Not my works. Jesus Christ, He keeps me saved. But you know what? I do want to please Him. And when we're walking in the Spirit, the Bible says, "...ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh." Tommy, me, this flesh, it always wants sin, but I don't want to sin. I want to please God. Okay? With a husband and a wife. A lot of people have this 50 50 mentality. You all have heard that? You know, it's each given 50 50. No, it's actually it's each given 100%. In other words, the best marriage is the one where I'm living to please my wife and she's living to please me. If we're both kind of trying to do our own thing, it's not going to work out that good. When I'm living to please myself when it comes to our relationship between me and God, I'm always going to end up in sin. But when I'm try- living to please God, I'm going to be, when I'm walking in the Spirit, I will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. There is no law. When you're walk- Somebody who says they're walking in the Spirit, but they're violating the law of God, they're not walking in the Spirit. When you are walking in the Spirit, you will, against such, there is no law. And guess what's going to happen too? Just like when I am living to please my wife, she's happy. Guess what happens? I'm happy too. Because what's the saying? When mom ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Isn't that, isn't that the truth? And when I, in my marriage, if I'm living to please myself, she's not happy, and I'm not happy either. So I might as well try to please her, make her happy, and then we're both happy. And it's the same thing with God. When, I, when you live according to the flesh, you're, you're always going to be miserable. It always leads to destruction. But when we live to make God happy, we end up happy too. No, I, the, the things of the Spirit aren't going to make me happy. Yes, they will. You have no idea. You have no idea how happy they'll make you. It's sin that brings sorrow. It's sin that brings pain. 
Walk in the Spirit and you will be happy. You won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Many people today, they're trying to teach the laws of God don't matter, but the truth is they do matter. Thank God we don't have to keep to go to heaven, but thank God you know, He gave us His Word so we can know how to please the One that saved us. We can know how to have a better life on earth. And thank God, because Jesus of Jesus' victory on the cross, we can have victory over sin in this life. Read the rest of Romans chapter 18. It talks about that hope. There is hope that we have. I don't have to be defeated by sin. While I see the rest of the world just going to the dogs, while I see all the misery and wickedness that goes on out there, I don't have to look at that and say, well, that just is what it is. It's going to be me here eventually. No, I can have hope. I can overcome that. I can have the hope that you know I can raise my children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And I can train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. I, I can I can have the hope of that. I can have the hope of a happy marriage in a world where marriages aren't very happy, where things are falling apart. I can have the hope of those things. I can have the hope of having real joy, and no matter who the president is. I saw people during the inauguration just wailing and screaming, "Oh no, Donald Trump's president!" You know what? I'm going to be happy no matter who's president. You know why? Because I have hope in Christ, not in Washington. If my hope was in Washington, I'd go jump off a bridge right now. I would. If my hope was in the government, I'd finish. I'd shoot myself in the head before they took my guns away. I would. I mean, if my hope was in the government, that's what I would do. But it's not. My hope is in the Lord, and I don't. I don't need anything else. I don't need the world to be happy. They can all continue on in their misery. They can all continue on in their immorality and depravity. I can have hope that I can, I can be happy. I can have hope that while the Bible says, broad is the way that leads to destruction, may there be which go in there at. So you know what? I don't have to go that way. Straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to life. And few there be that find it. I can be one of the few. I can have hope because of Jesus Christ. And so walk in the Spirit. That is what we're trying to do today. We're going to talk about the laws in the Old Testament so we can know God better. So we can know how to please Him. But listen, when it comes to obeying the things of God, don't just come to church because i got to go to church. Part of being a Christian. No. Want to go to church. Well, I don't want to. Well, then you know what? Start walking in the Spirit. Ask the Lord to change your heart. Fall in love with the Lord. It will it'll change it'll change your desires. You will want to do these things. You will want to please him and you will be happy doing it. And so with that, let's all stand together.